This podcast may contain sensitive issues such as self-harming, suicide or suicidal thoughts. Welcome to Your Mental Health Matters podcast with me, Ben Hubbard, and this is episode six. Yes, this is episode six of Your Mental Health Matters, and it is the final episode in this series. So let's get discussing. We are going to be discussing depression and the different types of depression. Okay. If you are given a diagnosis of depression, you might be told that you have a mild, moderate or severe depression. This describes what sort of impact your symptoms are having on your currently and what sort of treatment you're likely to be offered. You might have between different mild, moderate and severe depression during one episode of depression or across different episodes. There are also some specific types of depression and I'm going to discuss each one. I'm just going to read them out. Okay, the seasonal affective disorder, SAD. Depression that occurs at a particular time of year or during a particular season. So, for instance, in the the winter... Your mood can probably get slightly worse because we need vitamin D. And when it's summer, you know, you're out in the sun, we, you know, it provides vitamin D. And dysthemia, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Continuous mild depression that lasts for two years or more, also called persistent depressive disorder or chronic depression. Prenatal depression which obviously depression that occurs during pregnancy. This is sometimes called, you know, antenatal depression. And then obviously, and of course we have the postnatal depression, which is PND. Depression that occurs in the weeks and months after becoming a parent. Postnatal depression is usually diagnosed in women, but it can also affect men as well. Okay. Now, obviously, depending on the type of the severity of depression there are different kinds of you know symptoms you know and i'm going to get into depth into these as well um you know the common signs of you know like psychotic symptoms self-harm and suicide you know uh, the risk of isolation anxiety can cause it obviously depression is a symptom of other mental health problems as well uh this is quite a touchy subject And it does state in the beginning of my podcast, you know, that it can get quite, you know. When you, some of the symptoms of depression, okay. Um, How you might feel, you know, down, upset or tearful. I know that I certainly do and I know I'm not the only one out there. Restless, agitated or irritable. Yes, that is very true. Guilty, worthless and down on yourself. 
empty and numb, isolated and unable to relate to other people, finding no pleasure in life or things you usually enjoy, a sense of unreality, no self-confidence or self-esteem, hope, hopeless and despairing and suicide. There are all kinds of behaviours such as avoiding social events and activities you usually enjoy, self-harming and suicidal behaviour, difficulty speaking, thinking clearly or making decisions, losing interest in sex, difficulty remember or concentrating on things, you know, using more tobacco, drugs, you know, alcohol, difficulty sleeping or even sleeping too much, feeling drained and tired, no appetite and losing weight, or you're eating too much and gaining weight. Physical aches and pains with no obvious physical cause. Moving very slowly or being restless and agitated. There are psychotic symptoms. If you experience an episode of severe depression, you might also experience some psychotic symptoms as well. These can include delusions such as paranoia, hallucinations such as you know hearing voices. If you experience psychotic symptoms as part of depression, they're likely to be linked to your depressive thoughts and feelings. You might become convinced that you've committed an unspeakable crime. These kinds of experiences can feel very real to you at the time, which may make it hard for you to understand that these experiences are also symptoms of your depression. They can also be quite frightening or upsetting, so it's important to seek treatment and support. You might feel worried that experiencing psychotic symptoms could mean you get a new diagnosis, but psychosis can be symptom can be a symptom of depression. Discussing your symptoms with your doctor can help you get the right support and treatment. If you are feeling low, you might use self-harming behaviours to cope with difficult feelings. Although this might make you feel better in the short term, but self-harm can be extremely dangerous and can make you feel a lot worse in the long term. When you're feeling really low and hopeless, you might find yourself thinking about suicide. Whether you're only thinking about the idea or actually considering to a plan to end your life, these thoughts can feel difficult to control and be very frightening. Now, I'm going to be talking as well about the difference between being suicidal and, and like suicidal thoughts or behaviour as well, because they are complete. They are two different things. And I'm going to be talking about that next. Ben here, and I'm here to tell you that I have my very own podcast. It deals with mental health issues and it is called Your Mental Health matters and that is on anchor.fm slash ben hubbard 86 
My podcast, Your Mental Health Matters, is now on Spotify. All you have to do is go to spotify.com and type in Your Mental Health Matters. You can also catch it on Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts and Radio Public. Ben Hubbard. Welcome back to episode six of Your Mental Health Matters with me, Ben Hubbard. And we're talking about depression and we're now on the subject of suicidal thoughts and suicide. Now, the difference between some people get mixed up. Suicidal thoughts is you're thinking about taking your own life, but you're not acting on, you're not acting on it at all. If you're suicidal, it means you have either, <clears throat> excuse me, acted on it or you've attempted to do it. But if you know someone that is suicidal or is, you know, thinking of ending their lives, there is support out there. But some of the reasons why someone considers taking their end of of their life, um, it's because they want to escape what they feel is an impossible situation, um, relieve unbearable thoughts or feelings or relieve physical pain or incapacity you know i mentioned this before in one of my episodes that kind of struck me a 19 year old girl from the uk took her own life because it was the only way that she could she couldn't take any more of being in isolation and she had meant she struggled with her mental health and you know she couldn't take any more and it's a lot of people say it's selfish but it's not selfish That's when people start becoming ignorant. You have to understand that when someone is mentally in pain or physically in pain, that is their only, in their mind, that is their only option. What kind of thoughts may someone have? When someone feels suicidal, they may have some of these thoughts. Now, as, a, as someone who struggles with suicidal thoughts, and I know I'm not the only one out out there, I know there's thousands, even millions of people that are struggling right now in this isolation with everything going on with the coronavirus. But you, these are some of the thoughts that you may have, and I know I have, that uh, you've let yourself down and other people down. You know, you think you're a burden, a failure, no one needs you, you know, what's the point in living, that you'll never find a way out of a problem, you know, that you've lost everything, things will never get better for you, you know, nobody cares about me, I'll show them what they have done to me, you know, some people feel guilty for thinking about suicide, which... If if they have people who care about them, okay, there are warning signs when someone feels suicidal, okay, they become anxious, more irritable, being more confrontational, I should say, they become quiet, having mood swings, acting recklessly, sleeping too much or too little, you know, not wanting to be around other people, you know, avoiding 
contact with family or friends. Yeah, could be having difficulties with work or at college or school. Say negative things about themselves. Threatening to, you know, there are more, there are some indicators that suggest someone is more likely to attempt to take their own life. And these include, I'm sorry, I, these, I have to try and compose myself because I can relate to a lot of this. And I know a lot of other people around the world do. Okay. These include threatening to hurt or kill themselves. Talking or writing about death, dying or suicide. Preparing to end their life, such as storing up medication or putting affairs in order, such as giving away belongings or making a will. Signs that something, signs that something is wrong can sometimes be more difficult to spot, such as cheeriness, which may seem fake to you. Or they may joke about their emotions, you know, such as saying something quite alarming that is disguised as a joke. But don't ignore your gut feeling if you are concerned about someone, okay? Because this could because some people won't be open about their feelings. I know for a fact it's taken me a while to actually talk about my feelings. If you know someone that is struggling with suicidal thoughts or any kind of suicidal behaviour. You may feel uncomfortable talking about suicidal feelings. You may not know what to say, and but that is, but it's normal, okay? But it might help to let them know that you care about them and they, that they are not alone. And for whoever is listening to this podcast, you are certainly not alone. You are not alone in the world. You are not alone what we're going through right now with the coronavirus. You are not alone because there's me and there's millions of other people out there that are, you know, are going through so much. Be non-judgmental, okay? Don't criticise or blame them. This is really important, Okay? Repeat their words back to them in your own words, okay? This shows that you are listening, okay? Repeating information can also make sure that you have understood them properly. Ask about the reasons for living and dying and listen to their answers. Try to explore their reasons for living in more detail. Ask if they have felt like this before. If so... Ask how their feelings changed last time. Reassure them that they will not feel this way forever. Encourage them to focus on getting through the day rather than focusing on the future. Ask them if they have a plan for ending their life, but ask what the plan is. Encourage them to seek help that they are comfortable with, such as help from a doctor or counsellor, or support through a charity, um, such as we have in the UK, the Samaritans. I'm not sure where everyone else has. Follow up any commitments that you agree to. 
Make sure someone is with them if they are in immediate danger. Try to get professional help for the person feeling suicide and get support yourself. Remember that you don't need to find an answer or even to completely understand why they feel the way they do. Listening to what they have to say will at least let them know that you care. If you're not sure that someone is feeling suicidal, ask. Okay? Now, these are the things that will not help someone who is feeling suicidal, okay? When someone tells you that they are feeling suicidal, your response may be to, you know, try and find an easy solution, right? And this one is, I absolutely hate this. Tell them to cheer up, pull themselves together, or man up, or snap out of it. That really, really upsets me. When I mean upsets me, it makes me angry when someone says that, okay? Never change the subject. Never tell them that they have no reason to feel like that because you have no idea what goes on in someone's mind. Tell them that they shouldn't feel like that. Tell them that they should be grateful for having a good life or tell them that they are being silly, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. These responses are likely or are unlikely to be helpful, okay? They even might make someone feel rejected, unheard, alone, guilty, patronised, criticised or analysed. What if someone is saying that they want to end their life now, okay? Talking about suicide <clears throat> can be a plea for help, but don't assume that someone won't attempt to take their life. Always take suicidal feelings seriously. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice. If you talk to someone about their feelings and it seems as though they want to end their life soon, please try to keep them safe in the short term. Okay? It is easy to keep them safe. Okay? Please, not by not leaving them on their own, talking to them, see the beginning. Let's have a look. Uh, seeking professional help, helping them to create a crisis plan. Removing items that they can end their life with, you know, such as medication or, you know, razor blades for like self-harm or knives, sharp knives. Um, cleaning products, drugs, belts, cords, wires and ropes. Because this is really a, a really sensitive subject for me. Um, I'm going to just stop it from there. I'm going to just play some music and I'll be right back. Take you out 
Nothing can trouble me now I won't sing till I can't make a sound Stay up all night to the sunrise Now secretly keep me company Nothing can trouble me now I won't sing till I can't make a Welcome back to the Your Mental Health Matters podcast with me, Ben Hubbard, and this is episode six. Now, I'm just coming off this, the suicidal subject for a while, I think, because um, I struggle with it as well. And I know I'm not the only one out there. So I'm going back to the types of depression. Now, some of these might seem as if I'm repeating myself because um, obviously with the bipolar, I specifically spoke about that in uh, episode five so but there are other types of depression okay we have the the clinical depression is not a type of diagnosis it simply means that a doctor has given you a dog a diagnosis of depression a depressive episode this is the formal name that doctors give depression when they make a diagnosis they may say that you're going through a mild, moderate or severe episode. Recurrent Reoccur- uh, depressive disorder or RDD. If you have had at least two depressive episodes, your doctor might say that you have recurrent depressive disorder. They may say that your current episode is mild, moderate or severe. And there's reactive depression. If your doctor thinks that your depression was caused by stressful events in your life, such as, you know, divorce, financial worries, they they may say that it's reactive. Dysthemia. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Dysthemia. This is when you are experiencing continuous mild depression that lasts for over two years. Also, sometimes called persistent depressive disorder or chronic depression. Manic depression is the name doctors use for bipolar disorder. Now, I did mention that in my last episode. If you want to check that out, it's on Spotify. 
Your mental health matters. Bipolar. It is not the same illness as depression, but people with bipolar disorder experience depression as well as extreme highs. Psychotic depression. If you're experiencing um, a severe episode of depression, you may get hallucinations or delusions. A hallucination means you might hear, see, smell, taste or feel things that aren't real. A delusion means that you might believe things that don't match reality. These symptoms are called psychosis. Prenatal or postnatal depression. Obviously, prenatal depression occurs during pregnancy. It may also be called antenatal depression. Postnatal depression occurs after becoming a parent. It can affect both men and women. SAD, seasonal affective disorder. If you have SAD, you'll experience depression during particular seasons or because of certain types of weather. You might find that your mood or energy levels drop when it gets colder or warm or notice changes in your sleep or eating patterns. It will affect you at this at the same time of every year. It's most common during the winter. Now, as I mentioned, with seasonal chair squeak, uh, seasonal affective disorder. Now, I have depression all year round, but it's a lot worse in the winter. And that is because they, if there's no sun and it's not warm in the summer, you know, the sun provides vitamin D, which is what we need, you know, to stop us. It helps. thing is, I need to get, I haven't got any supplements for vitamin d so i can't i'm struggling at the minute especially now with what's going on so i'm hoping during the warmer weather i'll start to see a change now we all know there are different treatments as well okay depression is treatable and most people see improvements in the symptoms when treated with men, with medication or psychotherapy or if you go see a counsellor or a therapist. Now, I do take medication and there is a lot of, I think it's called pill shaming or med shaming, you know. But treatment should be individualised. What works for one person might not necessarily work for another. Now, I've mentioned this with in other episodes when you have anxiety with like cbt and mindfulness what might work for one person might not work for the other it is important to talk to your physician and treatment team about which options may be most effective in reducing your pressure okay for instance you know you could be a family or couple therapy self-help strategies medications you see, I didn't want to go on medications. I tried everything. You know, I tried um, I tried counselling, um, CBT. Obviously, in this episode, you'll probably hear something mentioned that was in another episode, okay? Interpersonal therapy is relatively short in duration. Sessions are highly structured. 
It's based on the idea that your relationships are at the forefront of depression. The goal of treatment is to help patients improve skills such as communication skills and conflict or resolution skills. CBT, which I've mentioned before, focuses on helping people identify and replace cognitive distortions and behavioural patterns that reinforce depressive feelings. It is usually short term and it focuses on present problems and skills teaching. Social skills therapy teaches patients how to establish healthy relationships. The goal is for patients to improve communication and how to build a strong social network with individuals based on honesty and respect. Psychodynamic psychodynamic therapy, I should say, is often featured in movies or pop culture. It involves helping patients explore their unconsciousness and unhealed emotional wounds from the past. The goal is to help people learn how their depression is related to past experiences and unresolved conflicts. The therapist helps patients address those issues so they can move forward in a productive manner. Supportive counselling is unstructured and focuses on listening to the patient. Patients are invited to address whatever whatever issues they want to talk about. And the therapist uses empathy to provide understanding and support. There's also behavioural activation, which raises awareness of pleasant activities. The therapist seeks to increase positive interactions between the patient and the environment. By getting active and engaging in more pleasurable activities, symptoms of depression may be reduced. Problem-solving therapy aims to define a patient's problem. Then multiply solutions are offered. Multiple, I should say. The therapist helps the patient evaluate options and then choose a solution. A family or couple therapy. Family or couple, family or couple therapy may be considered when depression affects others in the household, you know. Therapy that involves other family members focuses on interpersonal relationships. The roles played by various family members in a patient's depression may be examined. Uh, Education about depression in a general way may also be part of family therapy. Hospitalisation. Now, I've been quite lucky um, with this. That I haven't been hospitalised. I have been hospitalised with anxiety attacks, panic attacks. Hospitalisation may become necessary when it is deemed that a patient has become a danger to himself or others. A patient who is seriously considering suicide, for example, may require inpatient hospitalisation. Hospitalisation may involve individual therapy family therapy and group therapy. A patient may also be prescribed medication. Once a patient is safe to leave the hospital, an intensive outpatient programme such as a partial hospital may be recommended. 
These services take place for several hours each day to help support a person's recovery from their depression. Now, when it, medication, there are loads of types of medication. Okay, we have uh, TCAs, uh, which is tricyclic antidepressants. I pronounced that right. TCAs were among the first developed antidepressants. They have more side effects than newer antidepressants, but can be more effective for certain patients. These include Elavil, which is amitriptyline, Tofranil, and Pam Pamelol. I do apologise that I cannot even pronounce some of these medications. There are MAOIs, uh, another older type of antidepressants. If you are taking a MAOI, you will have to follow certain dietary restrictions to prevent a reaction that can cause high blood pressure. You will also have to be careful about the interactions with certain other medications like uh, TCAs. These are not generally used first line, but can sometimes be helpful for more difficult to treat depressions. MAOIs, MAOIs I should say, include Marplan, Nardil and Paranet. There is so many here. It is, I've been on, I've tried so many medications um, I've been on sertraline, I started uh, fluoxetine, I started on, um, gone up to 50s, and then I went on to 100s, the 100 milligrams of sertraline really, really messed me about, um, I was, I could not stay awake, I was falling asleep, at, at, at a course, I was so tired, um, there was one medication about that I can't remember off the top of my head began with an M. I took one, it made me suicidal. Um, had to stop taking, and that was the first one I took. I took it before I went to bed, woke up the next day, went to work, and I honestly did not want to be there. I just didn't care. I just did not want to live. And so I had to stop taking them. Luckily, I found a suitable medication there called venaflaxine venaflaxine i think that's called so you really have to be careful when taking medications because they can take anything up to three to four weeks to kick in and to get into your blood system i think i'm going to play another tune and i'll be right back
Welcome back, episode six of the Your Mental Health Matters podcast with me, Ben Hubbard. Now, it's not only adults that get depression, it's children as well. But depression in children often presents differently than it does in adults. While adults with depression tend to look sad, children and teens with depression may look more irritable and angry. You might see changes in behaviour such as increased defiance or decline in grades at school. Signs of depression in children and teens. Irritability, anger, defiant attitude, obviously declining grades, physical complaints such as stomachache, headache. Your child might insist that they are fine or that they may deny that they're experiencing any problems. Many parents pass off their child's irritability as a phase or they assume it's part of normal development. But, you know, irritability that lasts longer than two weeks may be a sign of depression. Some children with depression have physical complaints. They may report more stomach aches and headaches than their peers. Children are not immune to depression. I have to say that now. They are not. Okay, sometimes adults assume kids shouldn't be depressed since they don't have to worry about adult issues like, you know, running a household, paying bills, etc. But kids experience stress too. And even children who live relatively stress-free lives may develop depression. Children who are raised in good homes with loving parents can become depressed. Anyone can develop depression and it isn't a sign of weakness. It also isn't your fault if your child is depressed. While stressful life events like uh, divorce may contribute to depression, it's only a small piece of the puzzle. Many other factors, including genetics, also play a role in its development. There are some number of different factors that can contribute to childhood depression. Some potential risk factors include okay, brain chemistry. Imbalances in certain neurotransmitters and hormones may play a role in how the brain works, which can affect moods and emotions and increase the risk of experiencing depression. Children with family members who have had mood disorders such as depression are at greater risk for also experiencing symptoms of depressive disorders. Sudden changes such as moving or divorce or traumatic events such as abuse or assault can also contribute to feelings of depression. Environmental factors. A stressful, chaotic or unstable home environment can also make children more likely to experience depression, such as rejection and bullying at school is also a contributing factor. If you suspect your child is depressed, the paediatrician is a good place to start. Schedule an appointment with the physician and talk about your concerns. In order to do to be diagnosed with depression, children and adolescents must exhibit five or more symptoms for at least two weeks. These symptoms must include a depressed or irritable mood, loss of interest or pleasure in previously enjoyed activities, and three or more of the following symptoms. Okay, Insomnia or excessive sleep, a decrease in appetite or significant weight loss, lack of energy or fatigue, relentlessness or decrease in physical movement, 
difficulty concentrating or making decisions, feeling of guilt or worthlessness, thoughts of death or suicide. So it is very similar to what us adults, uh, the adults, the symptoms adults get. It is really important that if you know that your child is struggling, you can't just, as I like to say, poo-poo it. Because it's not just a phase. Children can get depressed. Um, I'm going to leave you with this. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're an adult like me, 33-year-old male, or a child. We all have feelings. You know, we all experience different things. You, it's really hard because sometimes when a kid is depressed people think it's just a mood swing but it's not you I get I'm really passionate about mental health and I'm trying to get the point across where children and adults with depression to me are the same you know they have the same thoughts Suicidal thoughts, you know, the the feeling of failure, guilt. But there are treatment, there is help out there. There's, you know, talk to someone. Because I don't, I've read it before. And what breaks my heart is when I, when I read that a kid, you know, a child has took his own life because of bullying or mental health issues. Um, I'm going to leave it there, I think. But I would like to thank everyone who has listened to my podcast. I will be back with Series 2, All Being Well. But I will also be doing a bonus episode, which I'm going to focus more on myself because I haven't really gone into full detail, as I said, about my mental health. But I just want to talk about, you know, how I got to this stage, you know, a bit of my childhood and that, this, that and the other. Because obviously I have other plans. I want to do, you know, I have other plans for podcasts, you know. So I'm just testing the water. That's what it is. I mean, I absolutely have enjoyed doing Your Mental Health Matters and I want to... Thank everyone that has listened to on Spotify. You can continue to listen on Spotify. Just go to spotify.com and you'll find me straight away. I'd like to thank you all. Please stay safe. We will get through this. And remember, you are not a failure. You are not worthless. And always remember, as I said, we will get through. Please take care. Listen to your government. Keep the social distancing. Wash your hands. Because I know everyone that is struggling with mental health, this is the worst time being isolated. Take care, everyone. And thank you for listening.